So we're talking feast days, part two, the fall feasts. Let's get into it. you for tuning in to another episode of Jacob Seed Podcast, where the diaspora speaks. Uh, I am your host, Yermiyahu. Uh, the purpose of this podcast is to get uplifting, encouraging, thought-provoking content out to the African-American community who are a part of the Semitic diaspora. Listen, again, as always, and on every episode, I want to thank everybody uh, from the United States and around the world who have subscribed, shared, listened, talked about, um, said, hey, hey you got to check out this podcast. Uh, J- Jacob C. Podcast is something awesome, something that's blessed me. I thank y'all for sharing all that to whoever you share it to. Keep doing that. Uh, keep sharing. Please, if the best thing you can do is tell people about this podcast, direct them to jacobcpodcast.com so that, it can, that they can subscribe. Um, and if not, jacobcpodcast.com, uh, Apple Music, I mean, Apple Podcast, um, uh, uh, Google Podcast, Spotify, Amazon Podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, uh, you can subscribe on that platform as well. If you want to be a part of this show, um, if you want your voice heard on the show, you can call into the Jacob C. Podcast voicemail. The phone number is 901-300-7474. Leave your question or comment. Please try to keep it to a one-minute maximum. Um, and that comment or question will be played on an episode of Jacob Seed Podcast. All right, so let's get right into this. Uh, today we are discussing um, the feasts, part two. Um, so if you peruse uh, through Jacob Seed Podcast and some of the episodes, you'll see um, where I talk about the spring feasts, and that's uh, feast days, part one. So we understand the spring feasts are the ones between Pesach and Shavuot or between Passover and Pentecost. And we know if you are a Messianic Hebrew that we believe that Yeshua has fulfilled those feasts, those memorials, those symbolic um, memorials of his return. Um, So he has become the Passover lamb. Um, He has defeated sin and the unleavened bread. He has become the first fruits, the first of us to rise from the dead um, who are righteous. Um, And uh, um, uh, Yahuwah has given us, number one, his Torah on Mount Sinai. And then he has filled everyone as everyone has the ability to be filled with the spirit uh, when he um, when he gave his spirit to those who were also at the Feast of Pentecost or Shavuot in Acts chapter 2. Now we move on to the fall feasts. So in actuality, if you know the history of your fall feast, if you know your oral traditions, you understand that the fall feasts do not actually start with the, um, the feasts of trumpets or Yom Torah. The preparation for the fall feasts starts actually in the sixth month, which is called Elul. 
And we see this, I believe it is Solomon 6.3 or Solomon 3.3, something about that, where um, the sages connect Elul with the love that God has for his people. So you see, we believe that, that, that Moses went up on Mount Sinai, and the scriptures record that Moses went up on Mount Sinai and um, in the month of Elul, and he spent 40 days there, and he came back down. So 40 days will be 30 days plus 10 more days in the seventh month. And he would have came down on Yom Kippur, which is the second feast in the fall feast cycle. So the month of Elul is very important. The month of Elul is where we um, we prepare for Yom Teruah, for Yom Kippur and for um, Sukkot because in that time, we're supposed to be doing a thing called teshuva, which means to turn or to return. And if you read the book of Baruch, it says there, I believe, in chapter three, where it talks about as as it was your propensity to go astray. When you return, when you return, seek the most high ten times more. And we see so many instances in our scripture, uh, whether you're looking at the book of Isaiah, um, Jeremiah, Malachi, Ezekiel, um, Hosea, Zephaniah, Zechariah, all the prophets um, telling the people, commending them, striving with them to return back to the ways of Yah, to return back to the Torah, to rid yourself of sin Quit trying to be like these other nations. Quit trying to illuminate, uh, uh, um, to assimilate with these other nations and to copy these other nations. Rid yourself of all this foolishness and return back to the Most High. That's what the month of Elul is about, to prepare our hearts and to prepare our minds for the return of the King. Because when he returns, if you've ever read the book of Revelation, for some, it will be a celebratory, exciting time. And for others, it will be the worst time of their lives, utter chaos. So the month of Elul is very important. Um, you could do some more research on that. You can really just go to Google and look up the importance of the month of Elul, E-L-U-L, um, and see the importance there. I mean, it's not just the, uh, the month of Elul, but we also have um, uh, the month, the Yom Terorah, which means the Feast of Trumpets, and then Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. In between those days, um, it is our tradition in the, the Sabbath between Yom um, Teruah and Yom Kippur to have a special Sabbath where we call it Tashuva. So on that whole Sabbath, um, the tradition, our tradition is, the Hebrew tradition is to go out and to commend with our people to turn from their sin. But the issue is, I think what our people is because we've been stuck in the wood and stone religions is that we don't even know what sin is anymore. Uh, the best place that describes what sin is in layman terms, plain, and you can't miss it. There will be first John chapter three, verses four through nine. First John chapter three, verses four through nine. Read that on your own time. Cause it's I don't want to get in a whole rabbit hole about sin, but we're talking about the fall feasts and sin is at a very forefront in the fall feast because the end of the fall feast ends with Sukkot or um, 
Tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles. You cannot tabernacle with the Most High and His Son if you're full of sin. If you're not following Torah, if you're not following the example of Yahshua, if you have what's in uh, Galatians 5, or yeah, Galatians 5, uh, where it talks about the fruits of the flesh, right? You cannot have the fruits of the flesh. It goes on down the list. People who are have fits of rage and, and they're, they're, they are um, sexually immoral and they're always angry and they're always fighting and quarreling and all these different things. Like you cannot be that and tabernacle with the most high. Revelation even goes further and gives a list of people who will not make it in. These kind of people. The cowardice, the whoremongers, the sexual immorality, the liars, they're not making it in. Along with those who choose their flesh over their spirit, along with those who violate Torah, along with those who deny the father, along with those who deny the son. See, the fall feasts are still in memorial, are still symbolic because they have not been fulfilled yet. So let's go to Leviticus 23 and look at the fall feasts, the three false feasts that we are to celebrate um, that have not yet been fulfilled. So number one, it's important. Look up uh, the month of Elul and the importance of that. Um, also look up Teshuva, um, Teshuva. Uh, look that up. That's very important as well. So let's get into the fall feast. And they start in Leviticus chapter 23. Uh, let's see, uh, what verse is it? I want to say it's verse 17. No, it's not verse 17. And I should have had this already known. Hold on. Let's see. Verse 23. Verse 23. So verses 1 through 22. We'll tell you about the spring feast as well as the Sabbath. Verses 23 on is going to tell us about the fall feasts. All right. So the scriptures read, And Yahuwah spoke unto Moshe, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, ye shall have a Sabbath, a memorial of the blowing of the trumpets, a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. So we see the first thing that we do here in the fall feast is Yom Teruah or the Feast of Trumpets. And this is probably the easiest feast to do. It's the feast with the least instructions. He says, gather yourselves together, do no work, blow trumpets. And you can go deeper into this. It's talking about the um, uh, when you see the difference in the Hebrew language of actual the silver trumpets and the shofar. Uh, but he says, come together, blow trumpets, make a loud noise. Why is that? Because the trumpets are a, a significant with two things. Number one, the announcement of a king. And number two, war. The announcement of king and war. So we say that the fall feasts have not been fulfilled yet because the king has not returned, nor has he started war or the war has not started. Um, that we know all these nations are going to come up against him and his people. It hasn't happened yet. So this, this is still memorial, still symbolic. It hasn't happened yet. Um, the Feast of Trumpets. So he says, it's really that simple. I ain't got to spend a lot of time on this one. He says, get together, don't do any work, blow the trumpets. That's it. That is it. Um, at our assembly, uh, we spend that time blowing trumpets a lot. 
um, as well as time in prayer, time in worship and fellowship, um, and just uh, celebrating, celebrating the king. That's what we do. Um, the next feast, and that's, so this is the first fall feast. So this starts, actually the, the month of Elul starts at Teshuva, but traditionally the Sabbath after this one is that special Sabbath I spoke of earlier where you plead and strive with your people. So whether you're standing on a street corner, whether you texting, calling, Instagramming, Facebooking, friends, families, neighbors, whoever it may be, the people of Israel need to return to the scriptures. They need to return to the scriptures. Very, very important. Because our tradition would say that during this time, the book of life is opened. So those, you have those who are righteous, you have those who are wicked, and you have some people who are in between. Those who are righteous uh, stay in the book. Those who are wicked are taken out of the book. And those in between have these 10 days to get, get it right, right? And, and once Yom Kippur is over, uh, the Most High has made his decision. The book is closed for that year. Um, so those who have blotted out of the book, it has life and death implications, those who are in the book have life and death implications. And we know nobody is all the way righteous, nor is anyone all the way wicked. So 99.9% .9 of us probably fall in that in-between era where we have 10 days to get ourselves right. Um, and that's why you really start in the month of Elul to do that, to prepare for that. Um, so any sin that you have, any ailment, any um, alt you have with a brother or a sister, those, those things need to be dealt with. Um, during the 40 days before Yom Kippur. What I've done, um, as I said in the last podcast, uh, me and my wife discussing dating and marriage, excuse me, discussing dating and marriage, that I began, I start making oaths. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, please do, it's awesome. But I, I start um, making oaths to the Most High, promises. Now, I don't recommend this for everybody, but if you're strong in your belief and you really, truly want to be rid of sin, you're sick of it, you're sick of being defeated by it, make an oath if you're serious. Oaths have life and death implications. Uh, because if you read about oaths in the Torah, it's like, yo, if you make an oath to me, I, I will not take that lightly. I will take it as your word. And if you don't fulfill that oath, I will take your life. So make an oath. And then starting the month of Elul, and then all the way up to Yom Kippur to say, listen, and my oath was from the month of Elul all the way through Sukkot. Like, listen, I'm, I'm not going to do this. And my hope is after, since I have not done it for from the sixth month all the way through to the seventh month, so that's going to be almost two months, uh, that I would no longer have a desire to do it, right? That is my aim, to never have to do it again, to never want to do it again. So this is the time between Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets, and Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, where the Most High makes heavenly decisions. Decisions are made in the Shamayim. This is what the sages say, our oral traditions say, that decisions are literally made in the Shamayim about each and every one of us. This is why the fall feasts are just so important, because they're so heavy. They literally have life and death implications because during the fall feast is where our king arrives and where our sins are atoned for. And when, uh, if we get through all of that, we're able to spend an eternity 
with the Most High and His Son in New Jerusalem, the kingdom that's coming down from heaven. This is the picture that it paints, the fall feast. These are the pictures that it paints. So going back to Leviticus chapter 23. So in 24 or 23, uh, it tells Moses and them to blow the trumpets. So in 25 or 26, Leviticus 23, 26, it says, And Yahuwah spoke unto Moshe, saying, Also in the tenth month of this seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement. So that's Yom Kippur. It shall be a holy convocation unto you, and you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. And you shall do no work in that same day, if it is a day of at- for it is a day of atonement, to make an atonement for you and before Yahuwah your Elohim. For whatever soul it be that shall not be afflicted on that day, he shall be cut off from among his people. And whosoever soul it be that doeth any work in that day, shall, the same soul will be destroyed from among his people. Ye shall do no manner of work in it. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. It shall be unto you, turn the page here, a Sabbath of rest, and ye shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month at even. From even unto even shall you celebrate your Sabbath. So now we're talking about Yom Kippur. So it says a, a bunch here. So number one, it says that you're not to work. It is a Sabbath. It is a high holy day. So you got to take those days off. And I also have a, a, um, a podcast about a 100% way that you can get all the feast days off. All right. Then it says that you should afflict your souls. And most of us, which rightly so, and you can get deeper into this and do more your own research. Um, but this is like a 30,000 foot overview of the feast. So I'm not going deep down into them. But afflicting your souls, you, you're taking something away. I mean, in our assembly, we fast. Uh, we don't we don't consume any food. We don't consume any liquids on the Day of Atonement. And to get ready for that, um, the week before, we drink a lot of water. Um, and then the Sabbath before the atonement, we start a Daniel fast. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so that we can, you know, knock down the meat and the dairy um, and just eat some nice, fresh, light foods to help us go into atonement. And then um, we celebrate or, or we observe atonement together at the assembly um, through a lot of prayer, a lot of worship. And then on sundown on atonement, you know, we break the fast together. So we usually go out to a restaurant or something and um, and celebrate the atonement of our sins. Um, you can also read in Leviticus 16 um, when Aaron does um, atonement for the people. Um, he prays for first his own his self and his, his house. And then he prays for the nation, and then he um, chooses two lambs. One will be the innocent lamb that will be sh- his blood will be shed, um, and that 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 blood will atone for all the sins of the people. And then the other one, he'll place his hands on it and pronounce all the sins that Israel has done over that goat, and that goat is called the scape the scapegoat, and that goat is sent out to Azazel. And you can do, I believe, Zion, brother Zion Lex has a great. Um, study on Azazel, the scapegoat. You should uh, look that up. Contact him on Instagram or Facebook, however you get in contact with him or YouTube or whatever, and look that teaching up. It's really, really good. Um, but yeah, so that's that's Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. 
Why is the Day of Atonement important? It's because it's very important. In order, of us, in order for us to go to the next feast, see, all these things stack upon one another. So we talked about the spring feast. So you have, we, you have to be able to defeat death, battle with your sin, be among the first fruit, receive his Torah and his spirit. We have to be there to blow the shofar as the entrance of the king comes. We have to be cleansed of all of our sins forever. Atonement. That's Yom Kippur. That's where we're at now. It's a cleansing process. And we know that we have not been completely cleansed of our sins. Why? Because you just sinned the other day. Heck, I, you probably thought something, said something, did something. I know I thought something, said something, did something. And some things you may not even know known of it. Because uh, if you are really striving to be for the most high, we don't do things on purpose. Uh, because the scripture says there is, there is no atonement. There is no, there is no sacrifice for purposeful sin. If you look in Leviticus, all the sins that, are, that we sacrifice for or give an offering for is because we've accidentally done it and it's been brought to our attention. Whether it's been brought, we brought it to our own attention or somebody has brought it to our attention. So the thing here is that we need to be washed, like Jeremiah 31, uh, I believe it's Romans 8, where it says that at, at, in the end times, he'll make a new covenant with both Israel and Judah. And at the end of that, it says that, that he will wash us in a way and we will walk in a way where we will sin no more. Because it's his spirit, his law, his Torah will be on our hearts. And that he will, he, will remember our, he will remember our sins no more. That's how we know when the day of atonement is fulfilled forever. So we don't have to keep rehearsing it and rehearsing it and rehearsing it. But it's good to rehearse. All these feasts are practice. It's rehearsal for the coming of the Most High and his Son. So that's why it's very important to continue to do these feasts. Do not compromise with your family. Do not compromise with your job. I have, I have, a, I have, a, I have a lady at my feast right now. At my, I'm sorry, at my assembly right now. Her son is going away. Um, he's in the uh, armed forces. And he'll be leaving for a year and some months. They're having a party for him. But it's during Sukkot. And guess where, she, and guess where she's going to be? You think she's going to be at that party? Or you think she's going to be at Sukkot? She's coming to Sukkot with the assembly. She has a best friend that's also died. Um, and she's not attending that funeral. Why? Because it's during Sukkot. She understands that it's very important. She understands the importance of the feasts. She also understands that her family are those who do the will of the Most High. Um, does it hurt to have to give up some of those things? Absolutely, it hurts. Absolutely, it hurts. Um, to not knowing you're not going to see your son for another year and a half and you can't celebrate him um, going off, uh, knowing that, that, that you want to pay respects to a good friend of yours. You can't do that. Um, but you choose to be at the feasts and she'll have a crown and glory for that because that's that's righteous. That's that's how you that's not compromising with the world. That's being set apart. That's being holy. That's regarding the most High's feast as something worthy because it's not your feast. It's his feast that he's inviting you to. And what does that say about you if you choose not to come out? Um, there's a whole parable in Matthew. Yeshua talks about the wedding party. And the, uh, the master sends out his slaves to get all these people, all the people that belong to the wedding party. Say, hey, come on, man. The bridegroom has come. Let's go. Let's eat. Let's celebrate. Let's be merry. And they're like, no, nah, we got other stuff to do. He says, you know what? We're going to destroy y'all and we're going to bring in other people. 
that want to be here. Heed his invitation the first time. Plead with your family, friends, and loved ones to heed the invitations of the feasts. This is not something that is that the feasts are not things that we do to gloat or anything that we do uh, to shine light upon ourselves because the feast has nothing to do with us. It's everything to do with the Most High and His Son. That's who we need to worship and to celebrate when we're at these feasts. So, Yom Teruah, blow the trumpets. Yom Kippur, we're washed, we're cleansed forever of our sin. He remembers them no more. So once we've celebrated the entrance of the king, once we've been washed of our atonement, then like in Revelations 21, we can be in the presence of the Most High and His Son forever. This is symbolized by the Feast of Sukkot or uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. Let's read about that in Leviticus chapter 23. So this is verse 34. Leviticus 23, 34 says, Speaking unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be a feast of tabernacles for seven days unto Yahuwah. The first day shall be in holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therewithin. Seven days ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Yahuwah. On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation. We call it the last great day unto you. And ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. It is a solemn assembly, and ye shall do no servile work therein. These are the feasts of Yahuwah, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah, a burnt offering and a meat offering, a sacrifice and drink offering, everything upon his day. Besides the Sabbath of Yahuwah, and besides your gifts, and besides your vows, and besides all your feeble offerings which ye give unto Yahuwah. Also on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, ye shall have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto Yahuwah seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. So it's repeating what we do on um, the Feast of Tabernacles again. And ye shall and ye shall take you on the first day of bowls. Bowels of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows, and brooks. And ye shall rejoice before Yahuwah your Elohim seven days. And ye shall keep it a feast unto Yahuwah seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Ye shall dwell in booths, or uh, sukkahs, which uh, in the Hebrew means a an alternate dwelling place. So I know uh, for one Sukkot, we stayed in tents in our backyard. Um, and then I believe um, as this recorded, hasn't been Sukkot yet as I recorded this, um, we will be in an Airbnb. So um, if you look that word up in the Hebrew, it just means a temporary dwelling place or an alternate dwelling place. And obviously it's to celebrate, um, it's to remember when our ancestors had to um, be housed in alternate or temporary dwelling places as they um, journeyed through the wilderness, walking through the wilderness from Egypt into the promised land. It says, Ye shall dwell in booths in seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths, that your generation may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am Yahuwah, your Elohim. And Moshe declared unto the children of Israel the feast of Yahuwah.
Wow. So the very last feast that we celebrate is the Feast of Sukkot. And if you could do more research on this on your own, again, this is a 30,000 kind of foot view of just the feast. So I want to um, present this to you so you can do your own research, your own study on this through the scriptures, through the sages, um, and and develop your own traditions uh, or, or copy some of other people's, uh, whatever, whatever floats your boat. But make sure you're doing the feasts, all right? Um, and how we celebrate it is this. Obviously, we, we do eight days with our assembly. Um, we usually go off somewhere. And uh, like I said, some people decide to stay in tents. Some people uh, do campgrounds. Some people do the Airbnb thing. Um, I even know some people, you know, leave the country altogether and do their thing. Um, however you choose to celebrate, just make sure you're not in your house. You're at an alternate location. You're at an alternate place so that you can feel the burn of not being home. So no matter how nice your your tent is or your sukkah or your Airbnb or whatever it is, there ain't nothing like home. And it's to remember how our, our ancestors had to um, journey through the wilderness and they had to be in these these booths, um, tear them down and, and, and uh, build them up and tear them down and build them up every time they moved. <clears throat> Excuse me. So but we, we celebrate this. This is the time of the year um, where, where it says, uh, be merry, uh, take strong drinks um, and give of your of your heart's desire, as you see in other scriptures. Uh, when it talks about Sukkot, this is where our second tithe comes into play. Um, so after Sukkot, you should start <clears throat> you should start every year doing a second tithe. So the second tithe is not for your assembly, but the second tithe is for you. So that when Sukkot comes around, that you have money set aside to celebrate it. You have money to be able to make a tent, buy a tent. You have money because um, um, our ancestors left their homes, right? And they went to Jerusalem. So every, so there's three feasts that the families or the males of the families, and usually the males took, your, took their whole family. And we know this at end, uh, by Acts chapter 2. Um, as well as some other scriptures that we show the whole, all the whole families going up to Jerusalem. All right. But anywho, they take, um, they go up to Jerusalem. So you need money. Like you can't like, don't swipe your credit cards. That's not, that's not being a good steward of the money that the most high has allowed you to make. Um, that's why he instituted the second tithe. Look that up the second tithe and do more studying on that. Again, that is not for your assembly, but that is for you. So you can celebrate the feast and not just you celebrating the feast, uh, but so those who cannot afford it, you can sponsor them as well. Um, so that, so so a second tithe looked like this. So say you made a dollar. Tenth of that dollar, 10 cents of that dollar goes to the most high. Um, you give that to your assembly or if you know someone who is a Levite, you give that to them. Now you're left with 90 cents. Now you tithe off of that 90 cents. So nine cents goes to you and you live off of that 80 cents. All right. I'm sorry. You live off of that 89, uh, the, um, whatever the math is. I got lost in my math. Father. But yeah, essentially you live off, you live off of that 81 cents. There you go. And, um, that's the second tithe. And you do that every time you get paid so that you have the money that you need uh, to celebrate to code in the right way. So you can buy a strong drink, you could be merry and have your heart's desire. So this is this is the time of the year we give our uh, uh, give our kids gifts, uh, whatever they've been asking for throughout the year. Um, uh, we give ourselves gifts. Um, we, we we hang out with a lot of friends from the assembly. Um, we just have a great time, um, as the young people say. We turn up, um, but in a holy way. So strong drink doesn't mean you go get drunk because we know that's against Torah. Um, but if you want to sip on a little something. <clears throat> drink a little wine or 
uh, whatever your choice drink is, hey, that's good. If you, obviously, if you have an ailment, don't do it. Um, but yes, the, the, we celebrate. We celebrate. Um, and as I tell my kids, this is not the time to grumble and complain about what you got or didn't get, because the 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 sim, the symbolism here is that the excitement that we have for Sukkot is because not because of the, the gifts we're physically getting or that we're able to hang out with friends and not have bedtimes and all this other stuff. But the excitement of Sukkot is symbolic of the excitement we should have when uh, we're ushered into the 12 gates of New Jerusalem and we're able to spend eternity with the Father and with his Son. That's what Sukkot is all about. That's what the Feast of Tabernacles is all about, um, being excited to spend eternity with the Father and with his Son when New Jerusalem falls down. Now, we know these fall feasts have not been fulfilled yet, um, but through our faith and through our prayers, um, we know that these things will happen, and we have to live life like they will happen. Um, so if you're still sinning and struggling with sin, come on, make a teshuva, make an oath, because um, if you're not willing to put it away, the Most High can't help you put it away. So you can't keep praying to the Most High and saying, oh, man, um, you know, I wish I wasn't looking at these websites. I wish I wasn't smoking this. I wish I wasn't sleeping with this person. I wish I can keep, keep lying, but you're making no effort to try to stop. None whatsoever. Um, he can't help you. Um, you have to show that you want to let it go. Start off with a week. Hey, I won't smoke this for a week. I won't see this person for a week. I won't watch this website for a week. I dedicate this whole week of being of clean lips and telling the truth. And then and prolong it, and then prolong it, and then prolong it. And the Most High will help you fight those temptations. Because the reality of these fall feasts are coming and coming soon. If you're looking around the world and the makeup of this world is getting more evil, it's getting more and more perverse. People's hearts are waxing cold, as Paul would say. Morality has changed from righteousness to wickedness. And we know that eventually Hasatan will reign and that he will have someone in the third temple doing an abomination of desolation all over again. If you go to the YouTube page, um, Messianic Hebrew TV, so our Hebrew page, that's our YouTube page, I'm sorry. Um, there is a teaching about um, the third temple and the, and the desolation of abomination that will happen again, that Yeshua predicted. It happened in Daniel's time, it's going to happen in our time as well. Um, so these are the fall feasts. You have Yom Teruah, which is known as the Feast of Trumpets. You have Yom Kippur, which is also known as Day of Atonement. And you have Sukkot, which is also known as the Feast of Tabernacles. I hope this blessed you. Um, I hope you got something out of it. Um, most of us who are listening, I assume you probably already know um, at least a little bit about the feast and, and what they are. Um, but this is just my attempt to remind everybody and some people who ha don't even know, just give a 30 foot kind of view of what the feast look like. So go back and find that episode of the spring feast. That's feast part one. Um, and then uh, you'll have the whole spectrum of what all the feasts should look like. And they tell a t they tell a story of you um, starting out with defeating death, struggling with your sin, wrestling with your sin. Being among the first fruit, which is Yahshua, to raise from the dead, you receive the Torah and you receive uh, the spirit of Yahuwah. Then um, you're able to 
uh, celebrate the coming of the king. He'll wash you and atone for your sins. And then you'll be able to spend eternity with him um, in the new Jerusalem. So as always, brothers and sisters, I pray that you keep it 98 plus two. Seek the truth, live it out, and inform others. Shalom.